And now it's time for the LinkedIn Jesus Transformed Podcast. 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 Regurgitating Bible verses. I want to know if you really understand what it is that you are preaching. But what are you saying? Because all I'm hearing is some new age, one-size-fits-all crap. How do you stay away from the Bible if you're going to preach? I need answers. And all your questions and your uncertainty are only making things worse. I need someone who will look me in the eye and tell me how to find forgiveness because I am running out of time. Now, here's your host, Jeff Roderick. All right, well, welcome to LinkedIn Jesus Transform Podcast, episode number four. And I'm really excited today. We've got Mark Cooper uh, on as our special guest. And Mark is the founder and president of Just Bible Ministries. He's authored a number of different Bible studies um, and devotions, and also uh, has authored a book that we're going to talk about today called Baptism of Grace. Um, Mark comes from a background, however, he used to work in the trucking industry before uh, going into ministry. Um, He has been a chaplain who worked with Samaritan's Purse and just has done a whole lot overseas as well as here locally. Um, and is recently residing down in Texas, where he also graduated from the Dallas Theological Seminary. So, um, Mark, welcome. Hopefully I got that right. Does that sound about right? You did very well. Thank you, Jeff, and thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. So I want to talk a little bit about the different um, aspects of what you've done. I mean, through just Bible ministries, through um, your your book, and also this thing that you call fellowship that I know you and I talked about previously that is really a, a really cool uh, concept and understanding, especially in today's world where there are so many uh, people trying to be the expert and leader in each of their fields. Um, but before I do that, I, I'd like to talk a little bit more about you and get to know you a little bit more of who was Mark Cooper uh, back working with the trucking industry, maybe even before you became a Christian. Um, and can you tell us a little bit of story of you and how you came to know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? Yeah, My story is kind of unique and maybe not that unique. I want it to be an encouragement. Um, I never had that watershed moment. I grew up, I knew that God was the creator. I knew that Jesus Christ was my Savior who, who came to earth died for me, rose again, and now is living with the Father in heaven, and that he sent his Holy Spirit to, uh, to live in my life. I knew that. Then, then the church was talking about things you had to do. Um, you had to walk the aisle. You had to rededicate your life. You had to pray the prayer. You had to do a physical act of baptism or something you had to do. And I struggled with that. And so I really dove into the Word of God. I had to seek the, the, the truth. And what I found was it's all about faith. Mm. About, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We are saved by grace through, through our faith. Um, and, and it's not by works. It's not those things that I did. It is, it is the grace of God 
And it's my faith in that that I had all my life. But but I had to come to that conclusion. I had to grow to the point where I understood what that faith meant. And so that became kind of a flagship of my walk with the Lord is where's my faith? Um, Where does that faith fit in the environment that I'm in? And as you indicated, I I have a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. And so I need to have the answers linearly in a direct line. I needed to have the specific um, answers. And the Bible is not set up that way. The Bible is set up so that you have to go in and do the research and understand the fullness of it. Mm. And so as a mechanical engineer, I went to work for actually Kenworth Truck Company, um, which is owned by the same company as Peterbilt Motors. So I worked for that organization for 28 years. And from an engineer, multiple positions raised up through the organization. And the challenge was, it's all about making money. The the bottom line of any business is making money. People go to business and people work to make money, to make a living, to make their life comfortable. And, And that became a challenge with this faith thing, right? That challenge was... What is that all there is? Again, growing up in the church, uh, I, I had done lots of volunteer work, um, counseled with the Billy Graham crusade, uh, worked with Operation Christmas Child, and that's collecting shoe boxes that we send all over the world with a gospel message. And so the evolution of what does this mean? Working in a business for money, for prestige, for power, and what does all this mean? Um, while I was there, that's when I made the decision to go to Dallas Theological Seminary. I wanted to, to understand what this Bible is all about, what this theology is all about from the best. And what I learned from them was, in a very humble way, while they were very knowledgeable, they, they didn't have all the answers. Sure. We, we all have to struggle through it, and we all have to... Um, really dive in for ourselves in what that relationship is with the Lord. The message the Lord gives me is a different message that he gives you, a different message than he gives your audience. Uh, my, my, ro- my road to the faith realm is different than somebody else's. Sure. Sure. And I believe that the Lord works with each of us individually. He works with us in a sense that Um, it's my story. It's your story. The Bible, we have to grasp it for ourselves. You know, you, you've just said so many things (laughs) just in this, in this understanding of, of where you came from and where your faith journey has led you to that is so much to unpack there. I mean, the, to begin with your recognition and understanding that, that the things that you were told when you were young or the things that you believed you were understanding when you were young of the, all these things you had to do, for salvation and then coming to the Ephesians realization that no, this is by faith and faith alone. It's by grace and grace alone in Christ and Christ alone. And that right there, that is the defining difference of Christianity. If we're going to truly be considered in that camp, then there are, there is the essential belief. Um, The essential belief being that we are saved through faith, 
and faith alone, by grace, by grace alone, and in Christ and Christ alone. And once we have that essential doctrine understanding, and we are in agreement in that central doctrine understanding, that there is nothing added to that, that that is it and that alone, then we have all these non-essential differences that you're describing, that, right. that the Bible will speak to us, and we will be able to have our own interpretation. That's why there's so many great theologians and so many great pastors that have different viewpoints on certain aspects of the Bible, but we know that they're, we're all going to be in heaven one day together, and we'll all find out that we're all wrong, and God's going to straighten us all out. Yeah, so, right. And then yeah, it's- your story of, of, of money being a driving factor for you, understanding business, and, and that really it is, you're right, there's relationships, there's everything else, but the end result, the end goal that everything is driving towards is revenue to make money in business. Right. And so you could consider money being the, the God of business, right? That's what business worships is money. And you saw something different that God was calling you to and went to theological seminary to figure that out. That's when I went into the ministry and worked for Samaritan's Purse. Um, very significant change um, financially, uh, sure. going from a um, you know, top 100 con- company in the country and um, going to a nonprofit, uh, you're not going to become very wealthy working for a nonprofit. You're, sure. you're going to make a living, but you're not going to become wealthy. And so God took me through that. Uh, that was a transition. God basically said, you're done working for money. Come work for me. While I was at uh, Samaritan's Purse, was able to travel internationally. And I met some great people. And one of the things that I saw uh, when I was in Uganda was the huge need for them to have resources, the resources of uh, Bibles, resources of teaching material. So Just Bible Ministries was was birthed out of this need. You went with Samaritan's Purse over to Uganda, and while you're over in Uganda, you are seeing that there are people that are hungry for God, but don't have resources, don't have the Bible, don't they're not equipped to truly dive into the Word of God um, and, and understand that. And so there you said, here is a need. Um, I am going to create the ministry to fulfill this called just Bible ministries. Is that correct? That's correct. That's a very, that's right on because uh, what, what I saw was that um, one of the partners that we developed over the years, um, he was kind of the catalyst that really taught me. And what was, what he was doing was he was mentoring over 30 pastors. And what that meant was it's a different mindset than our Western culture. That was he would go to them and teach them every week. He would go and teach them a story or teach them part of the Bible. And that's what they would teach in return to the people of their village. They never had a Bible. What he was doing was he was bringing it to them verbally, and then they would communicate it. But we've all played the telephone game, right? By the time it gets to the end, the message really isn't as clear as what it should have been. Mm -hmm. And that became um, a a driving force. And what we did was we created what we call symposiums. We would go and teach a book of the Bible for three days, predominantly looking at pastors to get them resourced. But we we didn't turn anybody away. We opened it up for uh, everyone that was willing to come. 
And Jeff, we, we had people, the last one we did in 2019, we had over 300 people sitting in a, a church with a concrete floor on plastic chairs for three days and sitting on the edge of their chair, uh, listening and, and just absorbing this. And then when, when it's over, they get a Bible and they got the notebook that we were, we were teaching them through. And so they would take that resource and go back to their villages, go back to their family or wherever, and use that to, to teach. That's what we've been doing. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great experience to see people really grasp the word of God in the depth that they were. That's amazing. And, and you know, the word says that God has revealed himself to all of us through creation and conscience, right? We all have our conscience that bears witness to him. We all see creation, which is, it, it, it's just beyond logic to think that it just somehow randomly came together by chance. We know God exists through these things, but re he really reveals himself to us through the word. And um, that need, when you see these people hungry that recognize God's existence, that he does exist, who is he? And you have gone in to fulfill this need with the symposiums that you're doing. Not only are they getting the, the study guides, if you will, that, are, that has now been uh, translated into their language. They do have Bibles that are written in their language because they were purchased over there. And now they really have been given the tools to be equipped to diving in, doing Bible study, and understanding who God is. What a, what a great thing God did through you um, with doing that for the people of Uganda. And um, uh, is that something you're still doing? Uh, are, are you still involved with doing that? Uh, maybe even online now, as opposed to going over? I mean, is, is that something that's still happening? Oh, great question. Um, yes, we are still involved. In fact, the other arm of Just Bible Ministries is a projects arm. And what we are doing is work. We have seven partners that we've worked with um, that uh, we're building buildings. We're, uh, you know, we're building, we're building churches. We're building uh, children's homes for kids that are, we call them orphans, but they don't have parents and uh, pastors are, have taken them in. And so we've built homes for, for that. We've dug water wells. Um, one organization that we are partners with is they, their whole mission is to work with at-risk girls, girls that have been trafficked, girls that have been put out on the street. And what they are doing with these girls is they, they're getting them a home. They either house them in their small facility or they find a host, a safe host home that the, the host will take care of them. Um, but what they're doing is, is they're training them. They're training them on a skill. They, they have training for hairdressing, for sewing, for computers, auto mechanics, um, multiple different skills that these girls can gain. And then they go take governmental testing to get a certificate so they can go out and make a living and they don't have to rely on somebody else taking advantage of them. That one is a, is kind of near and dear to my heart. I've got two daughters, so it's very uh, near and dear that what they're doing is really looking after these girls and providing them a, a safe haven that uh, have the comfort of the support to be able to go make a living on their own. What a blessing. 
one of the things I wanted to talk about is something that you um, mentioned to me when we talked before um, about this fellowship that you do, um, this fellowship teaching. And, and in our culture, a worldwide culture, not just the United States, this is a worldwide thing. Leadership is a big word. And interestingly enough, if you go on and Google the word leadership, 4.75 billion results, uh, that's a B. Um, and every time I, I teach, every time I teach this section of fellowship, I always do that search and it just continually to ratchet, ratchet up. You have conferences, you have books, you have seminars, you have, I mean, trainings coming into your business, um, business people teaching other people. It's all about this leadership. If you dissect the word of leadership, you have to take the word lead and that word lead is being first. Mm -hmm. It's first mm -hmm. and it's to be first. And so if you were to really say what leadership is, it's to be first ship, um, kind of a play on words. It's about me. And I'm going to give you some things that will help you with that. But it's about me. And so when I go into the business world and I want to be a leader, a leader has to have what? Followers. Right. And so um, when, when I say I'm a leader, I'm subliminally saying you're following me. Mm. And so if you, wow. if you take a look at that and you say, okay, what does the Bible say about this? Every person that Jesus met, he said, come follow me. His disciples, he said, follow me. The rich man that came to him and said, you know, I, I want to follow you. I've done all this. And what Jesus said to him is give everything up and follow me. And when Peter in the, the last chapter of John, John 21, what Jesus told Peter to do was feed the sheep, mm. to, to tend them, not to get them to follow him. What he said was, you follow me. And so when we're looking at how we are to conduct our lives, it is to follow Christ. We need to follow him. And, and so the fellowship, what we, what we are saying is, when I'm teaching, it's not about me. Don't follow what I say. What I want you to do is understand my God and my, my Lord, because if you follow him, you're not going to go wrong. Yeah. If you follow me and I fail, everything falls apart. Mm. Your, your faith in what I've been telling you or what I've said falls apart. But if you have your faith and you're following the Lord, you're secure in the directions you're going to go. That's how we're. That's how we came about the, the fellowship. And I'm not talking about managing. You've got to manage your money. You got to manage people. I'm not so I'm talking about. It's that. It's that huge mindset. <clears throat> because if we look at the the challenge that we're in between good and evil and light and darkness, the evil one wants you to think you're the best. The evil one wants to, to put you, make sure you put yourself on the pedestal and you will, you be the leader and follow me. Yes. And, and that's, that's contrary to what the Lord says. He says, if you want to be first, be last. Yes. If you want to be first, be like a child, which was the least of all those in their culture. But what we want to do is we want to elevate ourselves and say, I'm a great leader, or here's how you become a great leader, or he's a great leader. My challenge is, 
And the, the prayer that I have, and I think the Lord's message is we need to be careful with that yes. because are we feeding into the world realm or are we following Christ? And what we should be doing as believers, making disciples and getting people to follow Jesus Christ and follow the Lord. Wow. I, I, <laughs> I, I loved it the first time you explained it to me and I love it this time. It is, it is so spot on and it goes right in theme. I've said this on some of my other past shows as well, which is a true prayer that I have anytime I am going to do a, a, a podcast or I'm going to um, teach an evangelism course or, or do anything um, to represent God that he would be doing it through me, that it's not me trying to do something for him, that it's me surrendering myself so that he will do the work through me. And that speaks very much to what you're describing as followership. He is the leader. We should Google leadership and we should have a result of one. <laughs> and right. that is, that is him. him. That's right. That's right. So, so, all right, well, the, that does it. We are, we're starting the global fellowship summit. How does that sound? Amen. We'll, yes. We'll start the global fellowship <laughs> summit and, uh, and bring people to the true understanding that we have one leader and that is Christ Jesus. Right. So just a, just a quick challenge on, on the same topic in Matthew 23, one through 12, what, what Jesus is doing is he's talking to disciples and he's talking about to the Pharisees and he's saying to them, uh, don't listen to them. And he, he goes through this list of things that he tells the disciples not to do. And one of them is don't be called a leader because there's one leader, one, and it's him. It's the Lord. He's the, he is the leader. So we should not be calling ourselves a leader. We should be pointing people to him. Yes. And you see, you do see that all throughout scripture when people fall to the feet of, of, of Paul and he says, don't, don't bow down to me. That's right. You know, that, so, yeah. One of the things that um, you have done of late, and I do want to dive into this because talking to you about it, the first time I, I talked with you to understanding what the baptism of grace book teaches, because I wasn't sure exactly what that was um, and what that was meaning. And after talking with you and going through and understanding scripturally where you're, you are pulling these different ideas of baptism and the different types of baptism from, it really did come together for me in a way that I feel is, is biblical. And again, it can be something that, as we said in the very beginning, People are, are going to uh, take their own faith journey and, and God is going to reveal things and show them things that, again, are, are falling into the non-essential realm and can have differences of opinion on some of these things. And, and we see that in different denominations and um, what the baptism of the, the Holy Spirit means in a charismatic type of a denomination and, and what that looks like versus maybe what, what other denominations see that as. But you kind of tied these things together in a way that was really very cool. Um, and I would love it if you could um, share your book, uh, Baptism of Grace, a little bit and, and talk about where did that come from? Scripturally, where are you pulling from? And what does, how does it all tie together? Yeah, great, great. Um, you did a great job setting that up. Um, it's, it's, it is a challenge. Because our culture um, has a mindset of what baptism is. And I want to start off by saying, one, I'm, I'm not going to argue for or against your mode of baptism. 
Sure. And so, and so I want to preface with that. The, the, the book is not to condemn. It is to expand. Because okay. the, the, as I was studying this, back to the works that we had, we talked about at the very beginnings. Um, baptism is a work. It's a, it's a physical thing that we do um, within the church. And so the, the question is, what does that mean? Um, what, what is that baptism? And why is it so significant? And so that comes to the generation of many years working through the, answering that question and praying to the Lord, asking him for direction, asking him for the guidance. And my prayer was, was also is, if I'm wrong with this, you better tell me. You better shut this down, right? Because you even said it, we, there's a higher accountability if we're going to put something like this out there. And so here's what, um, here's what the Lord has put on my heart, or here's what he showed me. Um, there's five baptisms that the Bible talks about. Um, the first one is the water baptism, which I think we can all understand, but I'm going to expound on that a little bit. The second one is the Trinity baptism, which I will expound on. The third one is the Holy Spirit. The fourth one is fire. And then the fifth one is the blood. And so when we look at these five, uh, that are, are biblical, that talk about baptism, because Jesus says, you know, John baptized with you with water, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Um, the, Matthew 28, 19 says, be baptized into the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus in, in Mark says, or Luke 3, 16, he says, I'm going to baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. And, okay, what, what does that mean? Um, when he's when he's talking to James and John who say, I want to sit on your right and I want to sit on your left. And, and Jesus' response was, I can't tell you, I can't give the, you that honor. I can't give you those positions. But what I can tell you is you're going to have the same baptism I go, undergo. What does that mean? And so when we look at baptism, we have to ask ourselves, what's the context? What is it talking about? What, what is the message? And when we look at the water, the water baptism, the, you know, John, uh, John the baptizer, he came on the scene. He was in the line become a high priest. He comes on the scene, and what he does is he has this baptism of repentance. The water, the, they understood, the Jewish people understood that cleansing by the water. It was in their history. It was their DNA. It was what they would do to the, when they would go to, to the temple. The priest would do it before they did their sacrifices going to holies, holies. So that wasn't, that wasn't new to them. It was this repentance thing that was new. What, what is that? What are, we, what are we repenting for? We have our sacrifice. We have our priest. And so that was the big challenge that John the baptizer was bringing. Jesus picks up on that and says, John baptize you with the water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at the water and, and the significance of that, uh, the, the woman at the well, Jesus comes to the woman at the well, and they have this dialogue, uh, this dialogue of, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for the living water. Right. And, and what Jesus gave her was himself, which was the living water. And that, that living water is, is a, a very critical thing because Jesus has 
a conversation with Nicodemus and says, you must be born of the water. You must be born again. You must be born of the water. And, and it, in, in John 7, it talks about Jesus. He, Jesus communicates to the Pharisees saying that I am the living water. I am the river of living water. If you knew who I was, you would understand that. Um, in, in Acts 8, it talks about um, Philip and the eunuch. Uh, you know, that's that's the one where the eunuch is reading. Philip comes in and translates, and they go into the the river, and they and the eunuch gets baptized. Yes. But what's very interesting, what happens, is is that Philip is taken away, taken away by the Spirit. That's right. Um, and I look at that as saying, okay, this Holy Spirit is now the protagonist of the story in the sense that he's the one that's in charge. It had nothing to do with that physical act. It was the, the spirit acting in our lives. And the spirit that, that worked with Philip to give the eunuch the translation, and then all of a sudden Philip is taken away, and the eunuch is still left there with the spirit. Yes. So it becomes, it becomes this transition that we have in the Bible of going from this physical water act to Jesus as the living water and moving into the Holy Spirit, which is, which is one of the baptisms. But if we fast forward to Revelation 20, Revelation 20 is a great picture of the throne room of God. You have the throne, and out of the throne is coming the river of water. And it describes that river of water as Jesus. Mm. And, so that, and so that if we want to be baptized with water, that's the water we want. We want that living water. We want that water of him that infiltrates and cleans us and, and gives us life. And that's, that's the living water that he gives us. The second one is the, the, the Trinity. Um, the Trinity is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you look at Matthew uh, 28, 19 and 20, it says, go and make disciples, baptize them, and I'm going to use the word into, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Many translations use the word in, which changes the concept, um, because the concept is into. Matthew is written to Jews. Matthew was writing this to Jewish people who either started believing or had not yet started believing that Jesus is the Son of God. And so he's writing this, and this is a foreign concept to any Jewish person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because they, they were looking at that monotheism of one God, God, Yahweh, right? Yes. That's, who, that's who they focused on, What and what this... Matthew is doing is he's saying, no, Jesus is the king. Jesus is that king that was prophesied. Jesus is that king. And here's the, the substantial evidence of to why. And he gets to the end and you puts in this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is a transition where we're, we need to move into the knowledge of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We need to move into that mindset. Ephesians Chapter 2 says that we need to live in the heavenlies. It, when Jesus was, was talking to his disciples in John chapter 14 through 16, he's saying that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, and you are in me. And, and we also have verses where the, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. 
So we have this indwelling of the, of the Trinity. We are baptized in the Trinity, understanding who they are. It doesn't mean I'm God. What it means is, is that I'm incorporated into that mindset. I'm incorporated in them, in that family. The Holy Spirit, um, all four Gospels in two places in the book of Acts, it says, John baptizes with water. I'm going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, that Holy Spirit coming into our life. Um, I firmly believe the Holy Spirit works in all of our lives throughout the process of our life. Uh, we don't come to know uh, who Jesus Christ is without the Holy Spirit, but it's a transfer. It's a transition. Um, the illustration I'll use is um, I have a, a, a high horsepower car. I'm not going to hand my 16-year-old who just got their driver's license the keys to a high-power car, unless he's been very well-trained. But what I will do is I will work with him, make sure that he understands the power that he has, and he uses it properly, and then I will hand him the keys. Mm. And that's the way the Holy Spirit works in our life. He's going to make sure that we understand the power that he has that he will provide us, and then he's going to use us. Um, it doesn't happen instantaneously. It's a process. It could happen instantaneously, don't get me wrong. But over the period of time, it's, it's, a, it's a process learning what the Holy Spirit is. And I believe that that is that baptism, that baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives us. Um, Luke 16, I've already met, three, Luke 316, I've already mentioned that uh, Jesus says, uh, I'm going to baptize you with uh, spirit in the fire. Um, it's, it, the fire is a very interesting comment in that verse. But if you research fire in the Bible, uh, what, we, what we find that that fire is, it's the presence of God. It is the, it, the burning bush. It is the pillar of light that the Israelites followed at nighttime. It is the, the torch that went through the animals during the Abrahamic covenant when the, the animal was cut in half. Um, it's the presence of God. And so when he says, I'm going to baptize you with fire, it's that presence of God that we're going to get. The other aspect of that is the eradication of sin. Uh, when, when Aaron and Moses put the temple, to, or this, when they built the uh, tabernacle, they were in the holies of holies the very first time when they came out, tongues of fire came and burned up the sacrifice on the altar. altar. And that's a significance of the eradication of sin that God does. And so when he says fire, we have, we have his presence and we have the eradication of sin. And then the third aspect of that is the judgment, the eternal judgment. We know that uh, he, all throughout the Bible, you know, fire and brimstone, he takes, he, he judges people for their sin. Nadab and Abihu were burned up with fire because they did unholy sacrifices. But now when we look forward in Revelation, our enemy is going to be burned up in fire. The last one is the blood. I already referenced um, James and John, but this is the, this is the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. I'm, you're going to be baptized with the, with the baptism, which was the crucifixion, which was the, the suffering that he went through, we're also going to receive. Mm. Um, one is a positive, and that is the cleansing of his blood and, and how powerful that is 
for what he did for us. The other aspect of it is, is the suffering. He says, they, they, they crucified me. What do you think they're going to do to you? Uh, so we need to understand that this life is going to be challenging. We've already talked about that with, with the book of James and that suffering. So when we look at all five of these, it's what God does for us, right? It, there's nothing I can do. He, all I do is, is have the faith and understand who he is and believe and repent of my sins. And he does the rest. He baptizes with all five of those. And the number of five in the Hebrew language is grace. And so, and, and five is throughout the Bible. If you want to research the number five, the, the, the temple is built in, in uh, divisions of five. So, you know, five is grace, multiples of fives is grace upon grace. And so when we look at the number five, these five baptisms that are in, that, that we can find in the Bible is God's grace that he, he what he does for us, it, only because of his grace, that he, that he saves us and he gives us that, that purification, that sanctification, that holiness, so that we can come to his throne as his children. So that's, that's baptism of grace. I love, I, I love it um, because, and, and I'm going to do the best I can to, to um, uh, sum it up and, and, and the way that I'm hearing this and the way that I'm, I'm interpreting what you're saying, which really comes down to, there are five baptisms that are talked about within the Bible, but really it's not five different baptisms that you have to go do. It's five baptisms that come together when you truly are baptized in Christ and, um, and, and meaning truly have put our faith in Christ. Uh, we've repented. Our heart is repented. We've confessed and forsaked our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ. And at that moment, we are receiving the living water. We are receiving the Holy spirit. We are being baptized into the Trinity. We are now part of the bride. We're the bride of Christ. We are, we are baptized into that gift that, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are giving us. We are, are given the opportunity now to recognize the blood of Christ. What he did on that cross was fully paying for what you and I owe and has washed away our sins and that fire has burnt them up. The presence of God has burnt those, those sins up all happening in, in, in one moment of salvation. Right. And so when I hear you say in the beginning that you're not uh, the, the, the book and your reason in writing, this isn't advocating or condemning the, the physical act of going and, and, and being uh, dunked in water for a baptism or sprinkled <laughs> or sprinkled, right. Yeah. Or any, any fashion of, of that, it is better yet that rather than just going through the motion of doing something, which really could be interpreted as a work, if you think that you have to go and do this right. in order for you to be saved, instead of that, go ahead and do that, but do that with the full recognition that this isn't about you being dipped in water and pulled back up. It is about all five of these baptisms that are explained throughout scripture are coming together at once in a most powerful way. Right. And that is the gift yeah. of salvation through grace yeah. alone. And that's God's grace. That's right. I You're absolutely it. right. You've summed that up very well. 
Well, thank you. I, it, it, it's my second time around with understanding it from you. And, and, and I love it. I mean, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Um, again, I was very transparent. I want to be very cautious when I, when I'm doing one of these and I'm going to, um, you know, put this out there uh, because I want this to be something that, that the Holy spirit has led me to believe God is speaking this God, God brought this to you, this understanding of these yes. five different baptisms and, yes. um, and that it's not coming from you. And then I'm just putting it out there. Probably many of us, and I will be the first to raise my hand overlooked when reading scripture about these five different, uh, baptisms and how they tie together. And I, I think it's, I think it's an amazing, amazing thing. How can people get your book? If they, if they would like to get your book, how yeah. can they get that? Yeah, it's great. Um, they can get it on Amazon, uh, okay. baptism, baptism of grace. And it's Mark David Cooper is the author and, uh, or at Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble also has it and uh, target has it. Uh, so those three, uh, are probably your best way. So Amazon target, or Barnes and Noble, they can, Noble. they can find it. It's called Baptism of Grace by Mark David Cooper. Correct. Correct. And then yeah. um, your website again for uh, Just Bible Ministries. Is That's what it looks Baptism like. Baptism <laughs> of Grace. Love it. And justbiblemistries.org, right? O-R-G. That's correct. All one word, dot org. Well, Mark, thank, thank you for coming on the show. I, I appreciate it. This has been a blessing. Um, I, I knew it was going to be definitely a, a very fruitful conversation. Um, I pray that God will, will continue to use just Bible ministries, your symposiums, um, the ministries that you are doing within that ministry for uh, the, the human trafficking and the, the, the girls that, that you are um, uh, working to provide. Uh, the ability to learn how to fish for themselves and to be able to get out there and support themselves. Um, we will all pray for that. We'll all pray for you. And uh, thank you for this book. I, 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 it's a refreshing feeling to hear the news of how much God loves us and the grace that Absolutely. he gives us. Absolutely. Well, thank all you right. so much. Appreciate thank your you. time. Thank you for having me on. God bless. Well, what a blessing to have Mark Cooper on here. And again, pretty cool stuff. I mean, there's nothing that I heard in there that, that made me feel like there was anything unbiblical that was being said. In fact, quite the opposite. I think it was very biblical and, um, and definitely something that is super powerful to think about when it comes to baptism and that when we receive God's baptism, we are receiving all of these things that are happening and what a powerful movement that is. And it must be, we're talking about salvation. We're talking about eternity. And if you're somebody who has not received that baptism, have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, I would just encourage you to please consider your own conscience. We are all given a conscience within. We all have an inner knowledge of right and wrong. When we're lying to somebody, we know we're doing wrong stealing, we know we're doing wrong. We have an inner conscience knowing right and wrong. And when we look at these things and we all know that we've lied, we all know that we've stolen something, even if it was small at some point in our lives. And we could go right down the list of hatred and, and, and having those feelings and dishonoring our parents and all of these things that are clearly written in God's laws, the 10 commandments. And we know that we have violated them. 
The other thing that we all know is that we are part of a, a statistic, 10 out of 10 of us, we will leave this planet one day. We don't know when it's going to happen. We're not promised another breath. And when that happens, we will stand before the one that created us and created all things and have to give an account. And if we have violated his laws, we stand guilty before him. And if he's going to remain good, righteous, and just, and believe me, he is going to remain righteous and just. A fine has to be paid when a crime is committed. There's just no way of getting around that. But the beautiful thing is the grace of God that we've talked about so much in this episode, the grace of God, he loves us so much that he himself became Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, lived that sinless, perfect life, never violated any of those laws, never did any of those things that we have done. So therefore, he didn't deserve to go to the cross. He didn't deserve to be brutally beaten and punished and killed for crimes that he didn't commit. So who did he die for? Us the crimes that we committed. It was God's way of taking his righteousness and his justice and pushing it together with his love and grace and marrying them together by saying, yes, you're guilty. Yes, I can't just turn a blind eye, but yes, I will make a way to pay your fine for you. I will step into that courtroom and I will pay the court in full so that you can be set free and spend an eternity with him in heaven one day. He's not going to force you to take it. You can certainly say, I reject that payment. I don't want anything to do with it. And you have that right to do that. And my heart would break for anybody who chooses to do that. But if you do choose to do that, he is still a loving, good God, because he gave you the opportunity as a free gift, nothing you have to do, but something he did for you to be set free. But you chose to pay your own fine. And when we're talking about an infinite God, there is no beginning, there is no end. That's everything about his attributes. That's everything about the crimes that are committed. They're that big. There's no beginning and no end. They're just infinite. And his reward for those that receive that free gift is infinite. It's eternal. That punishment that those that choose to take it on upon themselves is infinite. And that's the heartbreaking part that makes me want to reach out and share the good news of Jesus Christ so that hopefully, God willingly, you will receive it. You will confess, forsake, and repent of your sins and turn to God in thankfulness for what he did for you on that cross. And you will join the family and be linked in Jesus. Wake up each and every day so that we can all live our lives all for him.